You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. Lord, we give you praise. Our Heavenly Father, this morning we thank you for your presence and we thank you for your love. We ask that you would speak to our hearts from your word. We ask that you would instruct us, Holy Spirit. We ask, let this be an operation of your mercy and your grace. Thank you for an anointing that makes preaching, teaching, and the hearing of your word easy. We thank you, our Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's put our hands together and celebrate Jesus. All right. Um, huge privilege to bring us God's word this Sunday morning. Thank you, guys. Um, and I'd like to just dive straight into the discussion. Let's celebrate Dami. Thank you so much for sharing your God experience. God, God bless you. God keep you in Jesus' name. Amen. We, we love you very much, by the way. Can we tell her that we love you very much? Okay. Sorry, I, I only heard ladies shouting that. So can the guys in this church, can we tell Dami that we love her? Let's go. One, two, go. <laughs> and actually more scary than it's reassuring. All right. We'll read out of Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 16 to 23. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 16 to 23, in the NKJV. If it's your first time here, thank you so much for coming today. We trust God that you will have a terrific time in his presence. Um, and, and we look forward to getting to know you. <sighs> Welcome. Uh, so Nehemiah chapter 4, 16 to 23. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and war armor. And the leaders were behind all the house of Judah and those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they walked at construction and with the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword gathered at his side as he built. And the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. And when I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. And so we labored in the work. And half of the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem. That they may be on that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. Uh, may God bless the reading of His word. Um, a couple of discussions we've had this whole month as we talked about the parable of the checkpoint. And we said uh, that Nehemiah goes on this fantastic mission 
the rebuilding of Jerusalem. We believe that God is calling us to a place of rebuilding. And one of the things we have been um, exploring are the different checkpoints he then encounters. Uh, from just discouragement uh, to even delays uh, and to what we've termed demonic interference. Okay? We've talked about this group of people who have gathered Sambala, Tobiah, uh, Gesem, and then at one point it says the Arabs and some other guys join in and who've put all sorts of difficulty on the way. And the first week we talked about the fact that he, he's wise enough to understand that to carry out a mission like God has called you and I to, that you would need authority. Uh, and authority is not, uh, it's not the same thing as power. Um, it, it's, but it's, it's, it's the, when you see a policeman on the road and he says stop, by himself, physical frame, he does not always have enough power to hold your car. But there is authority vested in him by the government that allows him to then exercise power, to recognize power, even, even in the form that is there. And, and we said how that God will call us to go on the journey of our lives and he gives us authority in Christ Jesus. And we spoke about the fact that as uh, Nehemiah and the gentlemen go ahead to build that very steadily, uh, I mean, they begin to face opposition. The first couple of times, they face all sorts of discouragement. And all through this month, we've been reemphasizing the fact that life requires us to fight. Okay? Life requires us to fight. Um, I like this portion of scripture that we have just read. Uh, because here, he, Nehemiah is not... Uh, there's no shortage of detail about how they view the situation that they're in. Um, they have authority, yes, like we have authority in Christ Jesus, but they have come to a place in life where questions are being asked. In fact, they've come to a place in life where they are being attacked. They've come to a place in life where uh, like scripture would say, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So in verse 16, it says, the, it says, the half of my servants walked at construction. It says, but the other half held spears, held shields, held the bows, and wore armor. And so right away, he paints for us a picture of an army within a construction site, of an army of a people who are weaponized even though they are rebuilding. And, and that is the trust of the message today. The fact that God will call us, and we'll read Ephesians chapter 6 very shortly, and he would say to put on the full armor of God. Because sometimes we are in the place where we think that because uh, someone says, I'm in IT, Someone says, oh, I'm a music person. Someone else says, I'm a finance person. Someone says, God has called me to be in the marketplace. But we see here that everyone participates in warfare. He says, you read further down, I think from verse 17, he says, those who built on the wall 
and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other they held a weapon. With one hand they held a weapon. With one hand they worked at construction and with the other hand they held a weapon. So my question today is are you holding a weapon? Because sometimes we think that it's the church prayer team that should be involved in spiritual warfare. We believe that it's the, it's the pastors who should be involved in spiritual warfare. Nehemiah says, every one of the builders had his sword gathered at his side as he built. Uh, further down, he says, so we labored in the work. And half of the men held their spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. It says, at the same time, I, said to, I also said to the people, let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. I like how he says, so neither I nor my servants, nor brethren, nor the men of God who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. Now tell the person next to you, keep your clothes on. Keep your clothes on. Just keep your clothes on. Help me ask them, are you carrying any weapons at all? Are you, are you carrying any weapons? I know you are a banker, but are you carrying any weapons at all? Okay? <laughs> are you carrying any weapons at all? And then, you know, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting discussion. It's an interesting discussion. Someone says, I'm a, someone just says to yourself, say, I'm a fighter. And we have to try it hard. The fighters don't, you know, say, I am a fighter. Say, I'm praying and watching by the help of the Holy Spirit. Come on, church. I am praying and watching by the help of the Holy Spirit. I am spiritually alive and awake. Someone say, I'm a man under authority. I'm a man under authority. I say to one, go, and he goes. Come on, church. I say to one, go, and he goes. I say to one, come, and he comes. My, my words have power. I am bold and courageous. I do not give up. <laughs> so my question, you know, as we proceed is, look, guys, what, if I ask you, maybe you should write them down. What three things are you fighting for at the moment? What three things? You can write down. You can bring out your phone, write it down, begin of the message. You can write if you have a piece of paper. Don't just think it, but what three things? Josh, you can play. You can play it on the key. But what three things are you currently fighting for at the moment? Last week, we spoke about how that you would have to pray and watch, watch and pray because this fight is about an inheritance. That When you get to, there are checkpoints that are there for your reassurance, but there are some which require us Essentially, to exert our authority. So, I'm saying to you, what are you fighting? So, right, I'm not going to ask you to bring it down. And if, as a guy, you've written the name of three ladies down, that is totally wrong. Uh, just cancel all of that and start all over again. But, because if you, you need to, so what is it that you are fighting at the moment? Not fighting over, what are you fighting for? What territory, what promise of God? What has God put in your hand? What is there 
to fight for. All three things. Do you have your three? Help express it next to you. Do you have your three things? You have your three things. Is my name on your list, young, young woman? My name, okay. All right. Okay. Hmm. And you're sure that's your three things, right? You're sure. Let me know you have your three things. Huh? You have six. You have ten. Uh, te- how many? Thirty? <laughs> that's a bit of a fight. Because sometimes we don't fight because we haven't taken responsibility for certain things. Because even the praying and the watching that we're meant to do is meant to be done with weapons. Uh, last week, uh, when we read, I think it was Nehemiah 4, he said, we set a watch, we put men at essentially what were the most vulnerable parts of our position. And, and so, it's important that, you know, we talked about a company of watchers, that essentially we make sure, as we walk with Jesus, that we have set watch at the places where it is most vulnerable. That we set watch at the places where we have sensed an attack. We set watch at the places where sometimes you didn't even need to go far. You, you could see it coming. Uh, for someone, you have seen a, a circle of failure in business around you. And, and you need to immediately set watch. You, you are saying, I will not wait for it to happen first. Last week I said how that the battle for Nehemiah's mind his energy, his courage, the guys do not wait for him to start building. So they start, you know, when they start to say to him, what, what are you guys thinking of doing? Nehemiah hasn't started building yet. So all that stuff that happens to you, let me share how God experience, has, you, you were wondering, why is it all hell breaking loose? But Sometimes the devil, the enemy has an inkling, has a feel for what is coming ahead. And there is value that you are carrying, church. I I don't know what you own or don't own yet, but there is value. There is God-ordained value. I'm struggling not to use the word purpose because we've used it to describe all sorts of things. But there is a word, there is a hand of God over your life. But value attracts violence. Matthew 11, Jesus says, the kingdom of God suffers violence. He says, and the violent take it by force. And sometimes we interpret that by saying it means that we have to be violent in the kingdom. And there's some truth in that. But if you read it in context, it's actually saying, I think, But look, there's been consistent attack on the kingdom. It says from the days of John the Baptist, there's been been wave after wave. But thank God, the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail. Would you help me tell the person next to you, tell them you cannot be stopped. You cannot be stopped. You cannot be stopped. You cannot be stopped. stopped. 
I remember one day I was praying, I think we were in the service a long time ago, and I just had an impression in my heart. And the word was, look, it, says, it was like saying, look, there was such contention over my life. This is like five, six years ago. And the phrase, it says, the same way you find men fighting over nations. And there is such a need for spiritual awareness. There is such a need for us to be planted in God's love. There is a need for us to be, as, as Paul would say to Timothy, to be separated from civilian matters if we must then make foolproof of this assignment. Okay? So, Ephesians chapter 6 that I mentioned earlier. Paul says to put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 13, all the way, let's read verse 13. It says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having gathered your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. It's interesting. So Nehemiah says, everybody, says even the guys who were in supply chain, we said you needed to have a weapon. Even the guys who were writing apps, we said you needed to have a weapon. Even the guys who were still in school, we said... You needed to have a weapon. The guys who were in design, you needed to have a weapon. Everybody. He said, look, this was, we did not pretend that there was no battle going on. Uh, um, (laughs) One thing that is becoming easy in our time is the culture of just criticizing. But you know, when there is a fire, you need people who would help to put out the fire. And so sometimes when we look at our country, when we look at our generation, there is so much that we can be critical about. But where the people who realize that God has called us to a work of rebuilding? And where the people who realize that as you build, contention comes up. So he says here, put on the whole armor of God. Help me tap the soldier next to you and tell him, soldier. (laughs) Just tell how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? I know they've got a nice wig on. But don't be deceived. I know he's got a beard. (laughs) But do not be deceived. I know his perfume is smelling all nice. But do not be deceived. That is a fighter. Tap the person again. Tell them, soldier, soldier. (laughs) Because there's a narrative of helplessness that we must resist 
with everything that we have. He says to put on truth. Because <laughs> Jesus was, he says, I'm the way, the life, and the truth. See, there's a way that our understanding of who Jesus is, he says it's like a belt. Because things then hang on it. It's like a belt. That we must, we must be passionate about our pursuit of knowing Jesus. And when we have known him, we must make sure we protect that knowledge. Truth. Jesus is saying, John 17, I think on 17, he says, your word, O Lord, is truth. I, I, I don't want to digress, but you see, because it's interesting how much of the, how much of the watching, they were watching for attackers on the outside. But there was also a theater of war that was also on the inside. In, in David's day, when Goliath shows up, yes, they are at a battleground. It's a big one. Goliath and all the Philistines on one side. But then the Israelites on the other side. Different ranks. Different weapons people are holding. Big spears. Small ones. Shields. But in between them is all sorts of spiritual warfare. Because in between them, words are being spoken. And it's interesting how much impact the invisible words have on their ability to even use what is in their hands. The Bible says when David and Goliath will then have a conversation that it says the Philistine cost him by his gods. So Goliath wasn't speaking ordinary words. When we're younger, when someone says, I will, I will beat you, I will finish you. <laughs> and so, <laughs> when he says truth, that we should, as soldiers, employ truth, he's recognizing that <laughs> there are battles within your heart also. Do you have the truth? Have you considered Jesus in that matter? So for someone that I'm speaking to today, there is an equation in your heart. It is played to you every single morning. It says, if this happens, and that happened, and this other thing was said, he said, considering what might happen in the future, you have lost. <laughs> it says A plus B plus C, and then solving for what might happen in the future, you have lost. But have you considered the truth? Soldier, have you considered the truth? There was, when you read anybody who's interested in warfare, military history, 
would understand that there is what is called disinformation. The ability to spread propaganda successfully. The ability to confuse the opposing army. Have you considered the truth? That person who is dealing with a place where they're saying, I, I, I cannot, I am not worthy of love. Have you considered the truth? Because even before you started rebuilding, while you were two, your father left you. But have you considered the truth? So when you were growing up, they said unkind things. But have you considered the truth? So there was such poverty around you as you grew up. But have you considered the truth? Yes, I know your heart is in pain. But have you considered the truth? First Peter 1.13, it says, Therefore, get up the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He will talk about putting on the breastplate of righteousness. I don't know who God needs to turn around today. But it's almost like him saying, look, we're fighting this together. God is not a respecter of persons. He says, (laughs) the three Hebrew boys were put in the fire. The king shows up the next morning. He says, didn't we throw in three? He says, because I can see four. He says, and the form of the fourth is the likeness of the Son of God. God. God will not let you go out and fight this thing alone. You are not fighting alone. You are not fighting alone. The breastplate of righteousness. It's amazing how that Scripture says in Romans 5.17, I think. It says, those who have received uh, the gift of righteousness. How does it say it? If you put up Romans 5.17 for me. There is, righteousness is such a powerful, if by one man's offense, death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus. So when this whole, when I started having an inkling that God wanted me to teach this series, one of the first things that I remember I put down on my note was a battle about a battle that the children of Israel went to. They were going to fight a city called Ai, a small city. But scripture said there was a transaction that had happened that had He had put the children of Israel in a place that they should not be. So a small thing 
had become a big thing. And, and they figure it out. It's Achan. It's a gentleman who has acquired for himself some gold and some garments that God had said he shouldn't touch. Sin is a destroyer. But when God talks about the breastplate of righteousness, it is not just about something that we walk. It is not just about doing good. Here in Romans 5.17, Paul says, abundance of grace and the gifts of righteousness. The gifts of righteousness. Help me ask the person next to you, have you received the gift? Have you received the gift? Have you received the gift? Because in this warfare, the Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Those who stand up are those who have confidence in their standing. Those who, who can boldly say, look, God loves me. He's fighting for me. He gave his son Jesus on the cross for my sake. That my life might mean something. That the covering of the blood of Jesus. So when we say I plead the blood of Jesus. We're not essentially just spreading it around things. I mean figuratively. But we're saying that there is something the blood of Jesus worked for me. It is that when God sees me. My sins are paid. And that I have God's nature. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Made him who knew no sin. So that we who were sinners No, 2 Corinthians 5.21 This is Romans 5. 2 Corinthians 5.21 It says he made him who knew sin become sin that we through this might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. If you read verse 17, it says, For if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. And all things are passed away and all things are become new. And it begins to explain in verse 21 how this transaction happened. The breastplate of right. The, bless, the breastplate was essentially to cover hearts, to cover sensitive, so that we must be careful, having received grace and righteousness, that we will not willfully live in sin. We're not trying to become righteous by the things we do, but we have received righteousness and we declare that we will not live in sin. And I think that's important. Because for someone... God has been waiting for the one person in your family who will have the boldness to stand up to barrenness. And a lot of people have been coward because of ignorance, because they have not received from God the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And so when they stood up, they got hit. Tell the soldier next to you, tell him, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> Someone, they, 
They told you that when you were born, some priest, some pastor, some prophet told them something about you. But, <laughs> but you need to put on the whole armor of God. It's interesting. It's interesting that when we, we go out, we must get to the place where we realize that this is not a sinner going around with the cause of debt on their life. Someone else needs to be going around saying, I'm not, I do not attract destruction. I am not, Paul says it better, I am no longer an object of the wrath of God. It's not like God is looking for me, waiting to strike me down with thunder. No, that's not God. And so if you see thunder coming, <laughs> that wasn't God. That wasn't God. And you need to tell the thunder to go back to where they sent it from. I'm saying this because Nehemiah's story, Nehemiah says, look, we, we made sure nobody was left without a weapon. He speaks about having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. So, <sighs> that the life that you are living as a Christian is fueled, is linked, is hinged upon the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. That there is some connection, there is, there is Paul would say, the life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. That my life is, that I'm essentially involved in preaching the gospel. I'm involved. I'm not just fighting for myself. It says, how be it that if one died for all, that those who live should then not live unto themselves anymore. When soldiers go to war, they do not have the luxury of their own agenda. And, and it's interesting for us as Christians that we must always understand purpose within the gospel. You must always understand that your purpose is linked to the gospel. <laughs> I remember a story I read in Acts 28. The Bible says that Paul they had had a shipwreck. He was on a mission for God. Gets to a place. Had done all sorts of things. Gets to a place. There's a fire. The Bible says a snake comes out. And the Bible says it attaches itself to Paul's hands. And the Bible says that the locals in the place look at Paul and says, indeed, this man is a wicked man. There's no doubt this man is a murderer who, though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does not allow to leave. And it's interesting that they say that. Because there's part of Paul's history that had to do with murdering people. But the Bible says that Paul shook the beast into the fire. And the Bible says they, they were waiting 
for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. I, I don't know who it is that God is calling to a fight. God is saying, would you take the truth? Would you put on righteousness? Would you not let this understanding of what I did on the cross, would you let it be your, your meditation, your confession? Would it let it be the basis of your thinking? Faith, it says, above all, the shield of faith. It says, with which, and I like this one because he clearly tells them what to do with the shield of faith. It says, with it, you would quench the fiery darts of the enemy. For someone, you have felt it. You have felt it. But God's saying, would you grow your faith? Would you ensure that nothing corrupts your trust in me? Since faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word, would you build your faith? Would you listen to testimonies? In fact, he then begins to talk about the sword of the spirit. I sense that for someone that, <laughs> that the inheritance that God is asking you, like Nehemiah, to come into on the outside is preceded by a set of private victories on the inside. It says the kingdom of God, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. It's interesting how much of all that actually happens on the inside. And so I was preparing for this and I was like, every time I'd read about the sword of the spirit, I had generally in my mind thought about something that we take and just, you know, get into enemy territories and just bring down. And, and it was saying, look, yes, that is true. But what about the fight in your heart? What about the battle in your heart? It says in one place, 2 Corinthians 10. It says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. For they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down arguments. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Meaning that there are thoughts that are disobedient. You know when they say a child is disobedient. So that thought that says that you are, that you are the embodiment of poverty. It's a disobedient thought. That thought that says that you will not amount to anything good. It's a disobedient thought. It says you will not get married. It says, don't you see your auntie Funke? The big wedding they did for her, Tafawa Balewa Square, two months. You saw auntie Yemisi? Six months. As if the demons were even on strike. Six months. But even your mother, now you know your mother's mother didn't stay. It's a disobedience. So you now, when the guys come, you ah, I like him, but mm, I don't want to break your heart. Sometimes when you say that, you really mean it. 
But have you found the truth? <laughs> have you found the truth? I say this because sometimes there are cycles that we see that just need healing. There are cycles that we see that we have become superstitious about. But just need healing. Says Jesus has become the power and the wisdom of God. So if when the children were young, you did not teach them the alphabets and how to pronounce words properly. When they are 15 and they cannot spell, you can't say it's a spiritual attack. Right? When they are mixing grammar together and speaking English in reverse, you can't say, oh, the devil, ah, the devil doesn't allow us to speak English in this family. Ah, when they are 15 in this family, the way they, stay, they just break bottles. Ah, they can't even speak in public. So the demon encourages that ignorance. And say, just watch, watch. That boy that's about to be, when he's 15, you will see it. I wanted to be going, ah, as I told you, it's a spiritual attack. This family never speaks English. But then the truth comes. And then one day you are praying and watching. You realize there is something here. You are praying and you are watching. And then God begins to prod you. He says, teach the boy the alphabet. For someone, scripture says, a soft answer turns away wrath. Your family line does not understand soft or answer. So you will see wrath everywhere. Even on the marriage day, they fight. <laughs> Israel, even the actual country, the nation Israel, even till today is regarded as being a military force to be reckoned with. David will say, it is God who arms me with strength. Psalm 18, 34, he teaches my hands to make war. I don't know who the young man, the young woman I'm speaking with today is, but there is enough in your life for you to fight about. It says that God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man to repent of the things that he has said. He says these weapons are mighty through God. We don't prepare for battle, we say, in the day of battle. That there is stuff that you should be doing now with the weapons of our warfare. But they are mighty through God. That we need to begin to practice with some of our weapons. David will say to Saul in 1 Samuel 17, 38, when Saul tries to give him a different type of armor, he says, I haven't proved this yet. The Bible says in 39 that when David tries to put his sword upon, it says that David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. Soldier, have you tested the full armor of God? So you know that it looks easy on films when you take a, say, if you take a gun. All of us believe that we can shoot guns. 
I mean, you're, oh, we all believe we can shoot. Then it's gone. Just to hold it. You just aim. Then you do that sound. Boom. You know, there are guns you will shoot like that. You will dislocate your shoulder. It, you will feel as if you are the one that was shot. Say, I just press it now. Just aim. So the way you bend self. Then you aim. Then you throw it away. Then you bring out the other one. Like you see the guy doing the movie. Then you shoot, shoot, shoot. It doesn't matter how much weapon raised in the armory. Have you tested it? Have you taken the truth? And you wrote three things down. What is the truth of God consigning those things? Have you spent some time in prayer when there was no trouble? Have you... <laughs> Have you started to develop the prayer life for where God is taking you to? So, I remember writing this and I said, guys, you know that there's the prayer, <laughs> there's the prayer life for an executive, an MD. In fact, there's a prayer life for a Christian executive. There's a prayer life for a president. Do you ever imagine the life of a president? You wake up in the morning, there are 36 governors calling or texting you or WhatsApp. They have your number. Then add the ministers. Then all the other African presidents. Then the ones, Donald Trump and the other guys on the other side. Then traditional rulers. Then the 160 million Nigerians with access to Twitter and Instagram who are sending you DMs. Because sometimes you just wake up as a president, look at everything, and I'm not doing it again. So I'm done. <laughs> but how, how, do you, how do you stay encouraged? Because I, I, I look at these guys and I'm like, go for it. There's Buhari. Buhari is just, it's a people, Buhari is what, 70, 70 something. His children's children are older than some of us. Buhari is a nutcase. I will tweet back at you. I will send the SSS to your house. <laughs> I'll have you come in front of me and explain, say to my face, where were you when I fought the civil war? But I digress. Um, the prayer life, God is saying to someone, look, the prayer life of an executive, that when you get so busy that you would wake up in one city, have lunch in the other city, meetings in three other cities, and when you are flying, sometimes you wake up and you don't know what city you are in. <laughs> I'm say, God, just test me. Let's test me. <laughs> Trust me. That, that, that you begin to test the weapons now. Is it when everybody's calling you? Ah, follow me. Follow me. That you can't even drive on the streets of Lagos anymore. Girls are mopping your car. Follow me. Follow me. Marry me. Touch me. Touch me. <laughs> what is Bible at that time? Follow me. <laughs> what sort of the spirit? And that is the have you because where you are going, you need to have gotten to the place where now you've taken the weapon. Have you not seen when soldiers are practicing? You think they wake up in the morning and just say, We like marching, and they're marching around. They just like they don't have anything else to do. They don't have internet, so they can't check Instagram. They just be jogging. I know we've grown up in a world, in a country where you see 
law enforcement agents with pot bellies. So you think it's okay for soldiers not to be fit? Because I think some of us have then exported that to our spiritual work. Where you say, I am fasting for this whole week. Because sometimes the rehearsals of discipline don't make time make sense in peacetime. As I round up for someone else, it's that you would take the weapons of our warfare. I don't maybe you should start with your three. That you would not run from the small fights. In that first Samuel 17, the same. David says to Saul, 34, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing that he has defied the armies of the living God. It's a... Because there are certain checkpoints that do not answer to English, where you essentially have to say, look, Lift up your heads, O ye gate. We are going through this by force. And so for someone, there's a little issue at work. And God is saying, come on, test some of these weapons. Pray in the Spirit. Get a company of watchers. Declare the word of God. Allow the force of righteousness answer on your behalf. For someone, there's someone who said to you, Ah, look, you you are not getting a promotion in this organization except you sleep with me. Ah. This is when you should test all these things. You should say to him, "Ah, I I hear you, but ah, I'm a Christian. Ah, you're a Christian. Ah, don't worry, you'll be an unpromoted Christian. And then you say to him, but I'm just worried that you're going to die soon. So my father is so upset with you. So in fact, tonight, sir, when you sleep, you will dream. (laughs) And then when he goes home, he has a dream. He comes the next morning, he apologizes, promotes you two steps. When the big battles come, you know how it is done. Heavenly Father, and, and I know what it means to fight, oh guys. I'm not, I know what it means to fight. But he says the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God. In God, they find expression. In fact, we, we must begin to prepare for the future. It says, darkness covers the earth, gross darkness the people thereof. So if you, think that, if you think the earth is dark, it says, upon the people is even worse. 
And what happens is you operate in such an environment is that sometimes if you are not hooked onto what God is doing, what God is saying to the truth, if you're not increasing your dexterity when it comes to the word of righteousness, if you're not generating spiritual power and energy, if you're not strengthening up yourself, and, and this far be it that this has, this has nothing to do with trying to get people afraid. This is about the fact that there is something tied to your life that the devil wants you to let go of. He wants you to let go of. And, and so it's like a recruitment call in the spirit. So I hear you when you feel tired. It says those that who wait on the Lord will there's a renewal of strength. I, I know that you, you feel the heat. <laughs> but God is with you in this fight. God doesn't call people to fight battles isolated. Um, and that's why for me when they say come to church on Sunday or on a Wednesday, it's a returning to your company. It's a place of encouragement, a place where you get some fuel and then you join a small group and then you get your band of watches together. Um, how do we do this? Could you please help me hold the hands of two people this morning? Just hold the hands of two people this morning. And, and even before you start praying, as you you close your eyes if, you, if, if it helps. But I'd like you to just let the Holy Spirit speak to you about those lives. And our prayer this morning is, Lord, let them put on the full armor that they will not be that they are victorious in battle. That they are victorious in battle. It's a prayer of covering. It's a prayer of encouragement. It's a prayer of strengthening. It's a prayer of resourcing. It's a prayer of calling. It's a prayer of calling for someone They've been entangled in civilian matters. So it's a prayer of freedom. It's a prayer where we're speaking words of authority, saying to one, go. And he goes, one, come, and he comes. 
I'd like us to pray in the spirit this morning over those lives. I'd like us to pray in the spirit over those lives. I need you to hold the mic and pray, Demiladi. If you can help me grab a mic also and pray. What I'd like you to pray over those lives. I need to pray. I need to pray. Come on, church. I like you to pray. Thank you. I like you to pray. I like you to pray over those lives. I like you to pray over that life for someone we are declaring truth. For someone we are declaring righteousness. It says God gives beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garments of praise instead of the spirit of heaviness. For someone it's like they have been dressed up in the spirit. For someone it's as if we are attending to wounds. It says there are fiery darts of the enemy. And we're speaking that the balm of Gilead attends unto them in the name of the Lord Jesus. For someone, I'd like you to just begin to call victories on their behalf. Victories on their behalf. For someone, just begin to call victories. It's a battle that might have been going on for 15 years. They might have been standing at the checkpoint for 20 years. I'd like you to intercede. I'd like you to intervene. I'd like you to intercede. I'd like you to intervene. I'd like you to intercede. I'd like you to intervene. In the name of the Lord Jesus, declare that they have weapons in their hands. Thank you for listening to a message from the Life Point Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash lifepointng.